This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's Sal Capaccio. 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 On WGR. Happy Super Bowl weekend, everybody. I mean, Friday at 5, we're there. Is it, is it a happy Super Bowl weekend? I mean, we started with this today. Like, you, We love the Super Bowl. We're all watching it, everything about it. You know, sometimes the game is a dud, but it's like the – it is like just a, a tradition, well, like no other, right? The Super Bowl. It's what we do. With the Bills, again, having a look at it and falling short, you know, there is a melancholy aspect to it, though. Uh, unlike how it would have been, say, 10 years ago when, you know, they had no look at it. Yeah, right. Like, right. yeah I know people who had plans to go. And, you know, uh, here was Sal. Sal's in a draft with me every year, February fix. We moved it from tomorrow to next Saturday because maybe Sal would have to go to Eric. Of course, he would have had the Bills made it, and maybe others in the league would have gone also. Uh, I know I would have been right here on Super Bowl Sunday watching the game with maybe some Fritos or something, but, you know, <laughs> it didn't happen. Sal, I don't know, like, we love this day, but it's a little different when the Bills are, have you know, a, a contender to play in it and fall short. For sure. Um, you know, you go back to those t- days of the drought and just never having a look at it, and you kind of, like, you're prepared for it. You're prepared to... Yeah, they're not going to be in it, and what's it look like this year, and the parties, and you're more aware of who around the league might be in it. Then you get to this point, and I think it's just the the sudden finality of your planning and you're possibly going. And I know that was the case for all of us, even my family. Like, oh, thinking about what if they go, they like to go out there, what's that look like, friends talking about it. And I'm planning my life. I'm planning on doing... Radio Row or Podcast Pit at uh, in Arizona this week and you know being out there and then suddenly you're like it's not and I do think it becomes a little bit more of a uh, it's you melancholy is a good word it's just sad that oh man you know it kind of stinks where yeah before like whatever you know we were going to talk about the next draft by Thanksgiving so kind of we're ready for that <laughs> yeah the, I'll I'll, t- I'll take the melancholy I, I, I don't I, I don't yeah. mind I I can be prone to being melancholy about about lots of things so th- this sort of fits and I I don't know I'm I, th- I feel like I've sort of Mike has made this point a few times this week and I, I think in, in in part like I, I I feel like I'm letting it down because I'm not as uh, I was really selling you and I were very similar watching the yeah. Chiefs and the Bengals two weeks ago I was, I was, like, I felt visceral anger. Even like I was really yeah. upset about it. 
once we got the results, I don't know, I, I'm sort of invested in the game. I think it's a really interesting and fun matchup. And I am not as, as burned as, as, as I felt two weeks ago anymore. I hear that. And I will tell you, I, I'm, I'm better, too. The week off helped me. Like the, the week without games, the, the mm-hmm. week in between, to kind of let everything kind of settle a little bit, reflect on the season. Why did the Bills lose? You know, they had this challenging year. You know, really, they really had a good year. It just ended really so abruptly and so disappointingly. But, yeah, this is a good matchup. Um, you know, I think that that helps. There's some good storylines about it. Yeah, for me, again, it was personal, too. I've never, you know, having to a chance, an opportunity maybe to be on a Super Bowl radio broadcast mm-hmm. would be something really special. You know, that's something that I've thought about and what that would feel like and sound like and look like. And, you know, um, so, so that was part of it. But, you know, you get past the initial thing of, okay, that's not going to happen. But it's still football. You love football. And, you know, this is the end of it. And now we're also, by the way, I think what's helped is we're getting into the coaching movement and the draft and the free agency. You're starting to think about all the things you normally think about this time of year, which kind of takes you away from not liking the game as much. And then it becomes, okay, yeah, the Super Bowl's here. Let's watch it and let's think about it. So you say you took some time to try to figure out how the Bills lost. What did you come up with? Yeah. Uh, Stephon Diggs in the Buffalo News, I saw, said that he watched, has watched the game five times and still can't figure it out. Well, I do think that there was a mental edge they did not have, a preparation uh, that they, you know, we we heard from players say even the coaches had to adjust the schedule. So this is an emotional draining point. This is a point about hitting that wall, how much they had left. But I think that a lot of that, because of that, it, it probably took away from mentally them being as engaged and ready and prepared. And that goes on everybody. And I don't think it's a necessary fault of anyone. Um, it can be. And I know it's easy to say, well, that's the coach's fault. Prepare them. But I, like, like Roger Saffold said, the coaches changed the schedule to help do that. Like they tried. They, everybody knew it. They, they saw it was happening. I do think that's part of it. So I don't think they had their best stuff. I don't think they were as prepared as they normally would be for a game. Um, and they, they didn't have great game plans. We know that, right? Giving those guys a cushion off the line. Uh, they also didn't win their one-on-one battles. But I think all of it goes back to, a lot of it goes back to, Really having that all everything they went through and then trying to prepare for that game. I, then I listened to Jamar Chase, and he was on with Adam Shine, and it was just the opposite for them. It seemed like they caught the Bengals at the time where the Bengals were revving it up and they were ready to go, and they really, you know, they took to heart all the stuff about the coin toss, and he talked about the the tickets to the AFC Championship game, which I, you know, I kind of say I, I don't think that's something to really get upset about. But I'll always say though. Whatever gets you Whatever going, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's right. If that's what right. it takes for you to to say, I need something, I don't want to dismiss that. And Jamar Chase is like, oh, yeah, that really made us mad. Like, we wanted to prove a point. And he said, we had an incredible week of preparation, and we wanted to go prove a point. And I just think the two teams were going in opposite directions when it came to that. Yeah, I mean, you can even circle back to, like, th- them feeling, like, sort of disregarded all the way back to when, you know, we all thought the Bills were to stomp them in the AFC title game that never happened because That's of 13 right. seconds. So they, to me, had an edge on January 2nd that, you know, we'll, we don't know how that turned out or would have turned out or how the Bills would have responded to it. Um, but they looked, they looked pretty keyed up, the Bengals did that night, and they came right back a few weeks later and definitely had that same edge, I think. 100%. And they're a good team. They're a really good team. 
Um, they had parts of their team the Bills, I felt, should have definitely taken advantage of. And the next week, the Kansas City Chiefs were able to do that. So that's part of it. Now you go to the, okay, on the field, they weren't good enough, excuse me, on their interior defensive line. They weren't good enough on their offensive line. And they got beaten up. They got beaten up up front. That was the biggest thing. And, look, I know, like, this game is not about running the football and stopping the run and those kinds of things anymore. But I do think that that can really break your will when it comes to a football game and what what's on the line. When guys are really hungry and fighting for every inch and trying to get to a Super Bowl and, and fighting off their season, and they're physical with you, and they beat you up, and they can run the ball like that, I, I think it breaks your will, and you feel like, I, I, can't, I can't overcome this and what's happening here. And I think that that happened to the Bills early on. Now, it wasn't just because they ran the ball. They threw the ball. They scored touchdowns on passes, obviously. Right. But I think the physical upfront part of that mattered in this game that the Bills, I think it probably early on, said, yeah, I don't know if we're going to be able to do this today. You know, I, I, I wonder, real quick, sorry, Mike, right. if because I, I I've not seen nor, nor heard this, but I wonder, like, you, you know, Sal, from competing, when the person you're competing against doesn't have it. Like, I, I wonder yes. how soon, if at all, the Bengals recognize, like, in these one-on-one battles you're referring to, if, if like, guys were, like, going back to huddle, man, like, these guys just don't have it. Like, I wonder if they, if they I, experienced any of that. I wonder, too, and I wouldn't doubt they did. I wouldn't doubt. I Hey, we have an example of that, of basically, like, Frank Reich, in a way, right, last year, when, what was the story he said, he wrote down, do not throw the ball and for, just run the ball every first and second down because they experienced that. They saw they're just going to run over them. The, the Bills aren't, aren't coming at them today. The Bills yeah. are we're, we're going to we're going to bully them. And they felt that. And I, I would venture to say that the Bengals probably felt that at some point. Like, yeah, these guys, we, we can see it. We can see it in them. We're, we're here to play and they're not. Offensive line. So that's what we're talking about here. Well, both lines, but. Wide receiver, my obsession, the fan base is ready for a talent upgrade there. Uh, More weapons. But up front, whether it's being more like, you know, you've said a lot how Bean and McDermott talk about the last game of the year. You know, you sort of respond to that in your Mm -hmm. offseason. You could see, you might, I'm asking you this, like, will the Bills sort of turn toward a team, as we've wondered in other years, more physical, more reliant on the running game? I mean, whether it's running or passing up front, I think needs work. Agreed. Um, I I think you know, and this has been kind of cliche, but it does work now. And I've always been one to kind of shy away a little bit from this, but I do think it. For me, I want to say it, which is, I think they had a bit of an identity crisis this year, and who they wanted to be, and maybe even going back to. Hiring Ken Dorsey, what he wants to do through training camp. You know, you Mike, Mike, you've made the point about you know having a getting a running back and throw the ball to the backfield and that never really materializes. Like, did they want to do that? They not want to do that. Like, what did that look like? How much do you want to use Dawson Knox? Who do you want to be? Do you do you want to use Josh Allen runner? Or do you not want to? You want to run the ball. You want to control the line of scrimmage, but you have this great quarterback. You also want to throw the ball. And I, I, I think that that kind of hurt them. I don't know who they truly were. At times, or maybe they didn't know, and they're trying to put stuff together and, you know, have Josh Allen just play magic ball. And we all know, I think it's true that they relied on Josh Allen too much because of that offensive line. But there is an argument to be made. You don't have to have the best offensive line in the league when you have a mobile quarterback like Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. You just don't. It's nice. I, 
it's a great debate. Matt Bove and I talk about this and we debate it on it's always game day in Buffalo. And the, the question I simply posed to him early on is I because I go back and forth on this. What's the best way to help Josh Allen? Is it to protect him more or is it to give him another weapon or two? And, and I, I think that's a really good debate to have. Yeah, I, I said last week one day, Sal, um, like, sure, I want to be as good as I can be everywhere. But, I mean, you know, being realistic, um, I, I can certainly acknowledge that the Bills weren't great on the offensive line. But what did it get yeah. them? You know, like their their offense was, was second in the league in points per game uh, on the season. So I know it wasn't as fluid maybe as it looked in previous years, but they still were a dynamic, high-scoring, pass-heavy offense, and it works. So, like, I'm not saying that means you shouldn't do anything to try to get better up front, uh, but I, I think, you know, just like everything, like, there's, there's arguments to be made on both sides, and I think, like, everything can get overstated, like, its importance, because, you know, I, I just I don't know how – how heavily the Bills need to get after certain positions mm-hmm. when the results were still almost excellent. <laughs> they scored more points per game this year than they did last year. Now, by a very, very small percentage, but they still did. It was almost exactly identical. You have to go to like to a hundredth of a decimal point to, yeah. to get it. But they did score more points per game this year than they did last year. It did look, it was a struggle, there's no doubt. There were also more turnovers in the red zone. There were more turnovers overall, but there were, the red zone, they struggled a lot early on. They kind of figured that out as the year went on a little bit. Now, I will say, you go back to what Brandon Bean said, which is Josh took too many hits. And yes, they did have this really high-powered offense, and even though the offensive line wasn't great and had some issues at times, um, I do think they had good games, by the way. I do think they played really well uh, at times, and they, you know, they were the only team in the league up until, up until the final week. They had rushed for at least 100 yards every single game. They were the only team in the league to do that, and some of that was Josh. There's no doubt, but I think that's a nice feather in their cap to say they they were able to balance their offense and do that. But I also think that it's it's almost like in spite of Josh getting hit so much, so then you say, well, what if he doesn't get hit that much? What if he right. doesn't have to release the ball too soon? What if he doesn't feel all that pressure? What if he doesn't have to scramble around? Then where can the offense go? And I think that's when you get to let's try and do that because then you don't. Th- then he can be even better in the pocket, and we can even be a better offense. Yeah, you point that out, and you're right too about their rushing performance. Seventh in the league in passing yards. Seventh in the league in rushing yards uh, this year. The Bills. Sal Capaccio on the West Her Hotline last night was awards night in the NFL. Josh Allen third. In the MVP race behind the winner, Patrick Mahomes, who won by a lot, and Jalen Hurts. Sean McDermott, fourth in coach of the year. McDermott kind of came up with a bullet late in the year. Some of the -the off-the-field stuff, I think, you know, not that you'd ever order it, but kind of maybe helped or worked in his favor in terms of the voting. He got a lot of credit for how he handled the the late-season adversity. Uh, Finished ahead of the Eagles coach in the coach of the year results. I was surprised about that. Um, I thought that Nick Sirianni would finish ahead of him, given what they were able to do all season long from wire to wire. And yeah, I do think it mattered. Obviously, Sean got probably votes as the year went on for everything they dealt with. They also won 13 games. I know that's one thing I keep wanting to not lose sight of with this team, that they did win 13 games out of 16. 
And we don't know about the 17th game where that would have went against Cincinnati, but that's a heck of a year. They did a really nice job, and they had a lot of injuries. They were playing a lot of backups at times, sometimes in spot duty, sometimes for long stretches, like whether it was you know on the edge after Von Miller or especially at safety, what they went through, and at corner at times like that. So I do think Sean deserves consideration on that merit, but no doubt about it, I, I think that there was a lot of talk about I mean, heck, the GM himself made it a point to say, I'd vote for him for Coach of the Year after everything we went through. Now, I know he's biased as his GM, <laughs> but you know, getting that soundbite out there probably even makes people think, yeah, you know what? They went through a lot. Um, I was surprised Nick Sirianni did not finish higher than he finished for the job that he did uh, as the Eagles coach and how especially elevating that quarterback to what they've been able to elevate him to. The better your quarterback did, did or does in the MVP race, the worse your Coach of the Year chances are. Uh, Andy Reid, yeah. like eighth or something, one first place vote. Sirianni down to fifth, despite you know really the league's best team by performance during the season. And McDermott, you know those guys. You don't see Zach Taylor anywhere. No votes at all for the Cincinnati right. coach. Who did a pretty, did a pretty good job too. But I guess it's a they. It's we just collectively see it as an unfair advantage. You know you can't be you can't put forth the best coaching performance in the NFL in a given season. Unless, like, well, you were in really rough shape. And that's no disrespect, but that's what Dable, you know, walked into with the Giants. They hadn't had a winning record for one day since, like, 2016. And, okay, they they were mediocre, and so you win. (laughs) Like, I don't mean that disparagingly. It's just Philadelphia won how many more games than Buffalo and Kansas City? Okay, well, that's right. I agree with you, and that's why I've always, to me... Like, who are you going to vote for Coach of the Year? Now, if someone goes undefeated, I'll probably, I would probably do that and say, okay, that guy deserves it. I don't have a vote. I'm just saying, hypothetically, if I did, who would I vote for? I've always had the philosophy of, to me, the Coach of the Year is the coach who does the best with the least, who does the most with the least, I should say. Like, and, and that is mm-hmm. – but that, that doesn't – there's nuance to that, of course. If you have a great year and you should be in consideration, even if you have really good players. But that's why Brian Dable is absolutely deserving. I think Dan Campbell was – very dis- they didn't make the playoffs, but man, with that roster and way he was get them to he, way he got them to play. I think Doug Peterson, those guys, those are always those coaches, and that's why it's tough for Andy Reid. It's tough for Sean McDermott, as you point out. There's no doubt. It's why off topic, but it's why I always say, I don't. I know that Bill Belichick is the most accomplished coach ever. I think Joe Gibbs is a greater football coach. He won three Super Bowls with three largely average quarterbacks and was able to do it with a lesser roster and still get to as many Super Bowls in like a 12-year period as Belichick did. Only one Bills coach has ever won Coach of the Year, and it fits into this perfectly, even though it's a long time ago, and that's Chuck Knox, Uh who took over, I mean, is moribund strong enough (laughs) for what the Bills were toward the end of the 1970s, and then in 1980 they won the division, and so there you go. That's the, that's the recipe. Marv never yeah, did. What, what, do, Marv's, what, what, he, Marv's he, he, players um, were too good. Too many good players. Sorry. <laughs> yep. That's right. Yeah. Chuck Knox was my first Bills coach I remember, by the way. He's the first coach I actually remember Me too. growing up was Chuck Knox. Me too. Yep. Um, okay. The game Sunday. Sal, what's your yeah. – what do you see? I do like the lines of both, uh, of both sides for the, of the Eagles. Um I think that they can run the ball. The Chiefs, um, you know, I, I think their defense can be had. It's not great. They've, they've done a nice job. They usually step up in, in good situations. I think Spags has a, a good game plan generally in big games, um, like he did against the Cincinnati Bengals. But I, I do think that they'll be able to score some points, so I'm going to take the Eagles. I mean, Mahomes, I know that there's nobody actually on the injury report, I guess, from what I just saw. 
I can't imagine his ankles 100%, but you know that that the way the Eagles can get after it, uh, I'm going to take the Eagles, but certainly I could see if the Chiefs were to win the game. I think it's a close game. I think it's going to be a really good game. I'm on record as saying my score prediction is 30 to 27. Uh, Philadelphia wins it. I think it's a bit of a higher scoring game. We almost got through the whole thing forgetting to ask you about Chad Hall. That's what I was just mm-hmm. when, you, when you when you shifted to the Super Bowl. I'm like, did I black out at the beginning when we talked about Chad Hall? No, we didn't do it yet. Okay, good. Uh, I was a little worried. I was slipping. Uh, I, well, I slip all the time. Yeah, what of it, Sal? Like, like what, what do you, what do you what's your best guess as to what happened there? So Tom Pelissero reported his contract was up. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, that can mean that either the Bills just didn't want to renew him or he wanted another op- another opportunity. It could mean a little bit of both. The way I read the situation, um, especially considering that Chad was rumored to be in the mix, reported to be in the mix for an offensive coordinator position uh, with the Ravens, it, it's, it looks to me like Chad Hall is trying to spread his wings a little bit. Right. And sometimes what happens is in the coaching business, in any walk of life really, you may have to move around a little bit to get a little bit more experience, to get a little bit more seasoning on your resume, to say, hey, I worked with this system, I work with this coach, work with different players. Um, it's why I think Eric Bieniemy is rumored to maybe be taking an offensive coordinator position, a, a lateral move uh, for him. It's He's be, been behind Andy Reid for so long. So I, I don't think there's anything going on here that I see that the Bills wanted to get rid of Chad Hall. But with the way that the... Um, passing game didn't seem to struggle this year with maybe Shakir not getting on the field uh, a lot and developing. There's always a case to be made that maybe they want some new eyes, new way of thinking. Mm-hmm. That can always be true. But I also know that McDermott, you know, Chad Hall, he's been with him a while. Chad Hall's a high energy guy, really likes him. This looks to me like it's Chad Hall probably trying to do a little bit more to try and move up the ladder eventually. And what about the defensive coach? I don't think we've we've had a chance to talk to you about that, and I don't know where we're at on that, if if the Bills have confirmed that or if that's just still being reported. But Al Holcomb, right? Yeah, the Bills have not confirmed it. It's only been a couple reports. Um, Al Holcomb is from – he was with McDermott in Carolina. Uh, He was an interim defensive coordinator for them for a little while. He's been with the Cardinals. Uh, I'm sorry, he's been with the uh, Cleveland Browns as well. I I think the bigger question here is kind of what you're asking, which is like, what is he doing? What's the role and what's going to happen here? Because he's not coaching a position. He's a senior defensive assistant. So what does that exactly mean? Well, I wonder, is there still something coming down the pike with Leslie Frazier? I can't imagine the Bills would necessarily be firing Leslie Frazier at this point. I think that would have happened already because mm-hmm. I think you'd want to give, especially Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, would they want to give him the respect of finding another job if that were the case, given what's going on around the league. Is it possible that we could still find out that Leslie Frazier is retiring or stepping away or mutually parting ways? Sure. It's also just goes back to maybe, hey, they want some new eyes. They want yep. some new people, some new blood, a new way of thinking. They didn't like the way the season ended. Let's see if we if we're not going to blame anybody, but maybe there's something else we can learn and somebody can come in here and do this. Sal, nice time last night. Enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll talk next week. Okay, guys. Thanks. You too. All right. That's Sal Capaccio on our West Her Hotline. His appearances are brought to you by New York's only outlet liquor. When you need to stock up, it's the place to buy a case. What's your outlet? Oh, I didn't. I didn't clarify. Sal and I went to see Wakanda uh, Forever last night. Sorry, what? We went to the movies together. Oh, nice. When's the last time you really went to the movies? <laughs> oh my god, I can't remember.
I mean, forever ago. I saw the the newer Charlie and the Chocolate Factory in the movie theater, in a movie theater, which was the first time my wife and I had ever been together to a movie. Yeah. And I don't know when that was, like 15 years ago, maybe more. Um, and I'm not sure I've been back. Yes, I with the kids a couple times. Yeah. Uh, Big Hero 6. The last okay. time I went to a movie was to see Big Hero 6. And I cried, I believe. I, I, believe I, it. I cried o- over how long it had been since I'd been to a movie. And oh, I, well, I that just, is worth I just over. wept about how short you, life is. You love Junior Mints so much. I don't love Junior Mints. I just don't hate them. I don't. I don't. I don't understand why they why they are treated like uh, second class candy. Oh, there's a there's you don't a fantasy team why name. a candy that is basically toothpaste wrapped up in stale chocolate is treated like a second class candy. All right, I get it. It's a good, valid question. Is there a time to change? You know, the three teams I've drafted this year, <laughs> second class candy is pretty good. That's pretty good. All right. Time for your calls if you've got them on the Super Bowl, on the Bills or the Sabres. 803-0550 is the number. Got a fun question coming up here. Paul Hamilton will join us at 6 to preview Sabres Flames tomorrow afternoon. Mike Schoep and the Bulldog, WGR. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.